You know, there's a lot of ways that that phrase is true, like father, like son, or like father, like daughter. Um, often, as I grew up, and I'm sure it's, it's true for a lot of us, um, that we've said in the past, I will never be like that. How many of you said that about one of your parents? I will never be like that. Great. The rest of you are lying. <laughs> well, maybe not. The, uh, because so easy, we growing up, we were fo- it, it was easy to to pick out our our parents, you know, character flaws and and idiosyncrasies. Um, only to realize days or weeks, months, sometimes years later that. That's us. <laughs> um, you know, um, that as much as Daniel doesn't like my lame jokes, he's going to tell jokes like, like me someday. You all can look forward to that. That um, as the much as our parents struggled with some addictions, that we, maybe some of us, have struggled with the same addictions that our parent was known for flying off the handle when provoked, and we struggle with the same thing. That, um, that just like our dad you know, picked his nose when he was nervous, we, we do the same thing. You find yourself doing that? Yeah. yeah. It's true, like father, like son, or like daughter. You know, the more you get to know me, you'll realize how much I am like my father. Um, and actually, I just get a little emotional here. My dad died 35 years ago. And, um, but the more you get to know me, the more you'll realize how much I am like my father. Um, I mean, one way, my dad was really good looking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about my dad. <clears throat> my goodness. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, good grief. My, my dad was fast. I remember my dad was a pastor also. At church picnics, my dad always won the foot races between the men. And I'm thinking that at one time in the past I was that way also. My son is now. (laughs) It skipped a generation. Another way that I realized I'm like my dad is my dad was strict, um, tending towards harsh, And some of you have heard me say this before, but we had a gal that lived with us years ago. And her saying, as she referred to our home, was that it was Cindy's house of mercy and Dave's house of judgment. (laughs) (laughs) That's not really funny. (laughs) uh, Thankfully, as I talked to her a few years ago, she said that... um, in her opinion now, I was learning to show mercy and it wasn't that way anymore. 
maybe that's because she was afraid of me. I don't know. But one of the ways I came to realize that I was most like my dad was my dad was a man of the word, a man of this book. Um, my dad, um, I mean, he was just, I would often see him when I'd get up, he'd be reading this book. He'd be spending time in this book. And I want to give you just a few examples. The, uh, my dad, he pastored Manchester Community Church in Port Orchard, Manchester, for 22 years until the Lord took him home in 1979. When he, during that time, for a few years, for the Port Orchard Independent, that's a, it's kind of like the Seattle Times and Port Orchard, uh, the Port Orchard Independent, he wrote a column called Parsonally Speaking. For those of you who are young, parson is like preacher, okay? It's like an old word, parsonally speaking. And I want to give you a glimpse of just some of the things my dad wrote. This was a column titled All Cluttered Up, and I'm just going to give you snippets. It says, our lives are cluttered up with things. The Bible says, the world is passing away along with its evil desires, but whoever does God's will abides forever. This column was titled, World Needs, and he wrote, our real problems are not Vietnam, you can tell that was, this was a while ago. Racism, still pretty current. Poverty, communism. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Here's another one called Signs of the Times. The most prominent sign we see displayed these days is the one that says, me first. Things haven't changed much. And then he wrote, the Bible says... In the last days, men shall be lovers of their own selves. And then there's one called Fathers Needed. Where would our nation be without the guidance of fathers in its homes? Right where it is today. The Bible says, my son, hear the instruction of your father. When fathers are too busy or disinterested to instruct their sons, the nation has no hope left. And I'll, I'll read just one more. A column titled, A Unique Book. There is a unique book that was written many years ago that I hope you've read. If you've read every book that has come out except this one, you haven't read anything. No other book has had more to do with the lives of people and the destiny of nations. In that book are the answers to the questions most asked about life. From that book shines a light on the dark road ahead. In it, people have found hope, faith, and love. You cannot overestimate the value and influence of this book in your life if you read it daily. Have you read your Bible today? That's my dad. You know, for, for years, because of the, the strictness I experienced at the hands of my father, I rejected any thought of me being like him. It's like, I'm not, I'm not him. Until I came to the point when I was able to look beyond that one flaw. And we all have flaws, don't we? 
that one flaw, that one weakness in my dad, and I was able to see what, who he really is, this, this man that he was that God had made him to be, and what I myself was becoming to be like him. And so it was a few years after my dad died on a father day that I wrote this to him. And this is, I want to read this as kind of a transition to what we're, what we're going to be talking about this morning in Matthew. Um, this is to my dad. Um, sometime a long time ago, I don't remember when, before most of you were born. I miss you on this Father's Day and each and every other day to hear you talk and laugh and say, I love you, Dave, come what may. To see your life an example to me, a testimony of what I should be. To sense Jesus Christ reflected in you, um, a life lived for God, pure and true. You were faithful when I was not, a naughty, disobedient, worthless tot. I know that's hard to believe. Thinking that, your, thinking that yours wouldn't pay, uh, I, so sorry, how often I turned and went my way thinking that yours wouldn't pay. Turned my back, smiled at you, thought I probably better knew. That's a teenager, right? But as I grow like Jesus to be, the more I realize our similarity. As down this life I trod, desiring more to be like God, what before I saw as wrong, I now do hold with conviction strong. What I saw in you as weak, I now believe at God a peak. I feel I'm like you on this day as I seek our Savior's way. I sense your presence, Dad. I know we're one. I thank God. I'm your son. You know, I'm thankful this Father's Day to be like my dad. But even more, I'm thankful that being like him has made me more like my Heavenly Father. And because that's that's who I really want to be. Um, song with its little chorus. Of, any of you that are familiar with Salty, um, the uh, the singing songbook. Um, one of my favorite songs that he sings that is, is "Lord, I want to be like you." Uh, it's it's a great little song. I was going to sing it for you, but I didn't want to <laughs> spoil the moment. The uh, but that's the heart of it. Lord, I want to be like you. And, and as we're here this morning on, on Father's Day, that's really the heart. If you want to turn to Matthew 5, that I want us to, to ponder this morning is what it means to be like our Heavenly Father and, uh, and how we can be that. So if you're in Matthew 5, I'd like to read verses 43 to 48. As we ask ourselves, what does it mean to be like our Heavenly Father and how can we be like Him? Is that your desire this morning, to be like our Heavenly Father? Well, that's what Jesus talks about here. As we're going through the kingdom of God, talking about these last weeks, we could call this kingdom fathering because this is right smack in the middle of 
uh, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is talking about kingdom living. And we could call this kingdom fathering. What does it mean to be like our Heavenly Father? Verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So what does it mean to be like our Father in heaven? Just a few things that I want to get from these verses. Is The first is it's obviously something that is not natural, right? It's not natural. The natural thing is to love our own and... And not to have anything to do with those who aren't our own or in stronger language here to love our own and to hate those that are on our own that are different than us that are that aren't ours it's natural to hate our enemy right would it be natural to hate the al qaeda or the taliban and Jesus saying. That's what's natural, not to love them. It would be natural to seek revenge against someone who has done something to us or to one of our family member or friends. That would be what would be natural thinking and conduct right now in Charleston, South Carolina. To seek revenge against someone who is persecuting you, not to pray for them. So... What does it mean to be like our Father who is in heaven? It, it's, it's something that isn't natural. But, but then it, it, notice, it's, some, it's to be someone who treats people equally with, with no partiality, no bias, no prejudice, no judgment. It says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. One of the, one of the best things if somebody, you're having a hard time with somebody at work, a neighbor that that complains about you mowing your lawn or not mowing your lawn or you know or anyone who seems like they're against you the most powerful thing Jesus says is to pray for them how how many times have you prayed for someone who's persecuting you he says he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good the righteous and the unrighteous with God. There's no partiality. There's no bias. There's no prejudice. It's to be someone, to be like our Heavenly Father is to be someone who treats, who who doesn't see black and white, who doesn't see differences between people, who just loves people equally. Another thing, I think it says, I like it, it says, if you... It says, are not even the tax collectors doing, you know, loving their own? Don't even 
pagans do that. I mean, everybody loves their own. But to be like our Father in heaven, it's to be more than others in the way you treat them and greet them. In chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus makes a, a powerful statement. He says, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness is more than what you see being demonstrated by the religious people of your day, then you're not even going to get into heaven. So to be like our Father is to be more. It's to be different. And, And ultimately what we came down to in verse 48 is, what does it say? Perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly father is. That's it. If you want to be like your heavenly father, it says to be perfect. That's that's all it takes. Does that make you happy? (laughs) And, And you're thinking, why couldn't God have asked something more challenging? Um. So what I'd like us to look at, we're going to look at a few verses where this, this word that is translated here, perfect, it appears in several other places. And I want us to get, what does it mean to be like our Father is to be perfect? So if you're with me, Matthew 19, okay? Turn there with me. We're going to look at like five different verses here to Am I there? Matthew 19, starting at verse 16. This is a familiar story. Now really, we're trying to understand, what does it mean to be like our Father in heaven is to be perfect? Verse 16, Matthew 19. A man comes up to Jesus and asks, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Jesus responds, why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. And as a side note, Jesus could be saying, are you saying that I'm God? There's only one who is good. Is that what you're calling me? God? If you want to enter life, if you want eternal life, keep the commandments. And Jesus says, if you can perfectly keep the commandments, you'll enter into life. And and this guy, it's incredible. He... um, He says, which ones? And Jesus replies, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. And incredibly, this guy responds by saying, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus answers, if you want to be perfect, the same word there. And and we, get, we begin to get the idea of this word here because the guy says, what do I lack? And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, and really probably the, the central idea of this word is complete. So the guy says, what do I lack? And Jesus says, if you want to be complete, lacking nothing, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Um, turn to 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 
2 Corinthians 12.9. It's not that hard to turn, really. 2 Corinthians 12. It's a few books later. 2 Corinthians 12.9. We're going to see the word again here. Paul is some kind of an affliction, some kind of a physical thing. Uh, In verse 8, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But in verse 9, God says to him, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made complete in weakness. Okay? Philippians 3.12. A few more books. Philippians 3.12. One of my favorite verses in, in verse chapter 10 where Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And then in verse 12 he says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. That's the word perfect right there. It's translated arrived at my goal. The root of the word is really goal. And so to arrive at the goal and to be complete in who we are in Christ. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already become perfect or arrived at the goal. I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me, Paul says, in order that I might be complete in Christ. A beautiful reflection of the Father. Okay? Two more. Hebrews 2.10. If you haven't figured this out, we're moving towards the back of the Bible. You know, making it easy on you. Hebrews 2.10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, God the Father, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation, it's referring to Jesus, the Son, perfect, through what he suffered. You say, perfect. I, I thought he was perfect. I thought he was blameless. I thought he was sinful. That's why we're not talking, when we think perfect, we're not talking perfect, sinless, blameless. We're talking this word complete, attaining the goal of being like our Father and who, what he is like, who he is and what he is like. And so this word here regarding Jesus is that he was made perfect. He was made complete By what he went through, he became what he needed to be as our Lamb of God who went to the cross on behalf. He needed to be that and become that and go through that so that he could be our Savior, the one who was the pioneer and author of our salvation. Okay, one more. Philippians chapter, I mean, sorry, Hebrews were... Still in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. Amazing verses here about Jesus. I mean, consider this is Jesus, eternal God, eternally triune God, 
experiencing the joy and the happiness of eternity with God. Verse 7, Hebrews chapter 5, it says, During the days of his life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death to his father. And he was heard because of his reverent submission or his obedience to the father. He said, I came to do the father's will. I don't do anything except what the father wants me to do. And because of that obedience, son though he was, verse 8, chapter 5, verse 8, son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation to all who, who obey him. Once he had gone through what he needed to, he became a man. He lived a blameless life. He went to a cruel death on the cross where he said, paid in full sin, it is finished, sins are paid in Doing all that, he became perfect, not sinless, blameless, but he became, he completed what he came to do so that he could be the source of our eternal salvation. So perfect, meaning complete, attaining to what God's intention for us is to achieve, to be like Jesus, to be like our Heavenly Father. More than, like Jesus said, the, fair, the, the righteousness of the Pharisees when Jesus was living, it was an outward righteousness. They, they lived outwardly. They followed all the little rules and details. And, and I did a pretty good job of that growing up. At the same time, I became what I call self-righteous thinking that I was good because of what I was doing, where Jesus says the righteousness that we need to have, which is more than just outward righteousness, is something that starts from the inside and works its way out and then is an accurate and beautiful reflection of our Father's character and kindness and goodness and love to a world that needs to see our Heavenly Father. How do we become perfect like this? How do we become like our Father who is in heaven? Um, I want us to backtrack just really quickly. We're back to Matthew 5. You know, we're, we're looking at 43 to 48. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Matthew 5, 1 to 10, the Beatitudes. And I just want to summarize them in answering the question, how can we be perfect? To be perfect means to be complete, to be be becoming like our Heavenly Father, which is His goal for us, becoming like Jesus. How do we be like that? How can we be people that are like Him, reflecting Him to a world that desperately needs to see His... What we talk about in Matthew 5 here, loving our enemies, not hating them, praying for those who persecute us, not wanting revenge against them, being more and different... How do we be like that? Jesus lays it out in Matthew 5, 1 to 10. And we looked at it, and just to summarize, he says, blessed are those who are poor, who realize their neediness, their poverty of spirit, that they're spiritually needy. And as a result, they mourn about it. And as they mourn about it, it humbles them. They become meek. They become emptied of themselves and realize that 
they have nothing good in themselves. There's no righteousness in them. And as a result, then it says, blessed are those who then hunger and thirst for righteousness because they are going to be the ones who are satisfied. Because they realize there's no good in them and it's the righteousness of Jesus that alone can make them right with God. And so they're satisfied. And, it, and as people who are right with God, then they are the people who will be merciful. See, that brings us back to Matthew 5, 43 to 48. Like our Heavenly Father who loves enemies, who prays for those who persecute. And that's what happens as we realize our spiritual neediness. Have you realized that this morning? And has that grieved you? And has it humbled you to realize that there's nothing you can do about it? You can help a million old ladies across the street and you still won't be right in God's eyes. And that it's only the righteousness of Jesus who became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you haven't memorized 2 Corinthians 5.21 yet, shame on you. No, Great verse. then we will be people who will show mercy. We will be people who are truly pure in heart, who are peacemakers in the midst of a world where people are trying to tear one another apart and people who are willing to be persecuted because we're, we realize what Jesus has done for us. If we want to be like our Heavenly Father, accurately reflecting Him by our life, something supernatural needs to happen. This isn't natural. And that something supernatural that needs to happen is the life of Jesus needs to invade our lives. The righteousness of Jesus needs to invade our lives. The grace and the goodness and the love and the kindness of Jesus needs to become ours because we don't have it. And it's only in Christ that we can be like our Heavenly Father. I'd like you to consider this editorial title from a few days ago in the New York Daily News. This is the title. It says, Amazing Grace. Families of the Charleston victims show awe-inspiring forgiveness for the racist who murdered their loved ones. That That was the title of an editorial in the New York Daily News. Isn't that incredible? And this is how it continued. The nine people slain in the South Carolina church attack died living their faith. And loved ones of the lost have carried on with the finest the human heart has to offer. Listen to this. It says, to hear them express forgiveness for the young white racist who opened fire in a Bible study class was to be, and this is, this is a secular editor of the New York Daily News writing this, to hear them express forgiveness was to be awed, A-W-E-D, awed at their capacity for upholding the teachings of Jesus Christ under the most difficult circumstances. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> that's, that's Matthew 5, 43 to 48. Lived out. God's amazing grace in Jesus 
making them act like their heavenly father in the most horrible of circumstances. Uh, Listen to just a couple of the five statements made by the families, and probably most of you have heard them already. A daughter of Ethel Lance said, I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you. And have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people, but God forgives you and I forgive you. That's supernatural. Felicia Sanders, mother of victim Tawanza Sanders and a survivor of the, of the church shooting herself, said that every fiber in my body hurts and I will never be the same. As we said in the Bible study, we enjoyed you. She said of Roof, but may God have mercy on you. Not hating, but forgiving. Not cursing, but praying. Incredible words after Dylan Roof gunned down nine of their relatives and fellow church members. It's interesting. He said that his intention was to start a race war. But instead, he began a group of people in a public way demonstrating how much like they were, much they were like their father in heaven. Dear people, this isn't natural. It's the supernatural demonstration of a people who have come to understand. And we can tell by their words and by by how others see that that they came to they've come to understand the amazing grace and kindness of their heavenly father for them it's it's changed them it's become embedded in them and now it's overflowing to them to an enemy not their enemy but they were his enemy in an amazing way and this father's day as we as we ask how can we be, be like our heavenly father my my response is i hope we could be like them, like they are, like their Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, man, I thank you in the midst of just a horrific tragedy, just a beautiful demonstration and and picture of this passage in Matthew 5 of some people that are living it out, loving their enemies, praying for those who persecute them because they have come to understand and been impacted by the amazing grace and love and kindness of Jesus. So they're showing it in a real way in the midst of real hurt and pain to a watching world. God, help us in the same way to be like you, our Heavenly Father, because of what you've done for us in Jesus. Amen.